We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 128. On this opinion, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and you only had to wait 12 weeks to hear him again. It's the mastermind behind the Barcelona football blog and the FC Barcelona writer for The Athletic. It is Kevin Williams. Kevin, welcome back. Is uh, Chicago thought out yet? Man, we're in the midst right now of an amazing winter spell. It's like mid-20s, huge sun, lots of snow. It's just a flawless winter day. It's really gorgeous here. So you should come. It's beautiful. <laughs> so it has warmed up a little bit. Um, and New York has done the same here, but it did get cold for uh, a little while there. But yeah, certainly I, we got to see more of the Chicago, L.A. area. I mean, I can say that I haven't really been to many other major cities in the uh, U.S., but uh, I certainly have to do my traveling. But again, as you know, our heart kind of takes us across the sea. So when I get a week or two to go off, I want to say maybe I'd rather go to Barcelona or to Europe or someplace like that. But uh, I think Chicago and L.A., they deserve their, their credit as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so today we're not just talking about Barcelona, but we're talking about the trip that they made to Lyon in France. And they have yet, they've already made the trip. They've already landed. So we really are doing this, Kevin, in preparation for this Champions League match against Lyon. And that brings us right into today's La Grande Pagunta. What makes Lyon a tough opponent for Barcelona and I think a good place to start is the recent form of both these teams. So, Kevin, let's start with Barcelona's recent form. Three draws, one win. And as, as much as we'd like to just harp on negativity and, and the slog that the team currently is in, uh, it seems that their form is not as good as Lyon's recent form. But I wouldn't say that Barcelona are you know, limping into this match. No, I mean, it's funny because both teams are in many ways confounding. They can be brilliant one day and then weirdly lackadaisical next. Um, this uh, past match, uh, Dan, uh, League One, you saw Lyon really struggle to hold a, a draw against bottom of the uh, uh, table, Guingamp. And that's just, uh, they're a really weird side. The problem with uh, Barcelona, frankly, is just minutes. And it seems weird that even with Valverde's rotation, you still have the, the key players looking uh, tired and bedraggled, but I mean, those key players are also old, and that will be the major, major uh, problem when they face Lyon is those young, strong legs. Yeah, Lyon right now won three of their last four matches, but all of those coming by one goal. 
and then they even lost that other match by just one goal to Nice. It was a 2-1 win over PSG though to start this month, so that's kind of what has people thinking about Lyon, and it, it is silly, but on a global landscape, you don't think about you know a, a team that's third in the league on table again on on a, because all eyes are on Premier League, or if it's not, it's on the top teams in the Liga, the top teams in in the Serie A or the Bundesliga. But again, still Lyon, they play their 4-3-3, which has led them to third in the table behind PSG and Lille, and yeah, as we've kind of been alluding to, they have experience along this back line, but youthful exuberance in attack. And it is Nabil Firkir with 11 goals in all competitions, leading that line as the attacking midfielder. And then Memphis Dubai, who people obviously will remember from his Manchester United days. And even though those are forgettable, he has carved out a really, really nice career now. Those two being 25 years old. Every other main offensive contributor on this team is 23 or younger, while every backline member is 27 to 33, somewhere in that range. And with Fakir out of this, the front line or the front two lines, if you will, get even younger. Yeah, I am really happy to see that uh, Fakir is suspended uh, because he is really a handful. He's super smart, uh, both forward and going back. He's got these amazing balls that break lines like a madman, and he uh, also has a very powerful shot. He is a player who could give the uh, Barcelona uh, midfield and back line fits. Now, now, the other issue is that there is still some uncertainty about the fitness uh, level uh, with their other uh, midfield talent, and that's uh, Tange Mendombele. He is amazing. Um, when the uh, De Jong stuff started happening and it looked like it uh, wasn't going to happen, many had thoughts that um, uh, Barcelona might look at him in, instead of De Jong, even though that would have signaled a major uh, a philosophical shift in how the team uh, would have needed to uh, play, but he is a, a fantastic, fantastic midfielder. And in Dombele, dealing with that ankle injury, you'd expect that Lucas Tussar will be the one to start in his absence. And we should also mention that Jason Denier could also be out with injury as well. On the Barcelona Whew. side, it's Arthur Vermelen, both out, and one is a bigger loss than the other between Arthur and Vermelen, and with Fakir out to suspension. The second leg of this is shaping up to be much more star-studded, if you will, or, or seeming much more a uh, an open game, if you will, if all of these players wind up missing the first leg. But still, I mean, obviously we know who on Barcelona side, but Lyon also have a ton of players to watch as well. And the players that are supplementing some of the, you know, we'll say superior attacking options. Uh, the first one I look at, other than Dubai, is 22-year-old Moussa Dembele of Celtic fame, second on the team with seven goals and four assists. And he is a, a speedy guy to most likely, I, I think he, he is probably going to start in the middle of that 4-3-3 up top and uh, in between Depay and potentially either Bertrand Traore or, uh, or, or Cornet, which are, I mean, we're other than Depay is 25, we're naming all guys 22 years of age or younger. And one of the things that, Kevin, you and I have expressed before is that the back line of Barcelona is not a young team, and not even not young, but they don't have a ton of pace either. And that even seeps into this now midfield. If Alenia doesn't get the start, as you predicted that he should, 
maybe not will, but if he should, that leaves Vidal, Busquets, and Rakitic in front of, again, PK and most likely Lenglet in this one, and then obviously Alba and either Roberto or Semedo. There's a ton of speed that that back line is going to have to deal with. Man, that's going to be a long, long day for uh, Ter Stegen, I predict. Um, it's also going to be a long day for uh, Semedo. Um, and I would suspect that uh, Lyon will start Traore um, because he is uh, the kind of forward who works really well when a team rolls out that more reactive kind of uh, center back, uh, such as Longley. Uh, you really want uh, someone like Umtiti who can take space, uh, play with a guy, and try to anticipate moves, but uh, with him just coming uh, back from long-term injury, there's almost no way that uh, Valverde might uh, uh, roll him out. So it will be long way, and I worry about that spin move that uh, Traore has. I mean, if people think uh, Lucas uh, Vasquez got better of long way, uh, they ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, and Traore is formerly of not only, well, he was owned by Chelsea, like half of world football, but he also played for a year at Ajax where he was not necessarily their their best attacking option, but it's where he developed and has some ideas as well. And the other guy I want to highlight in the midfield, he started out as an attacking midfield and even two years ago was linked to Barcelona, but it's 20-year-old, 20, 20 rather, Usam Oyar, who has scored six league goals, two assists, and he really is with Fakir out now, their primary creator, their primary... He's, again, not necessarily a box-to-box midfielder, but he does profile very much as a comparison to Alenia, who is not an attacking midfielder, but he is a center midfielder with attacking ideas. And he's someone that's going to be, I'd say probably have to be man-marked by someone, whether it be Vidal. And obviously that's not what Rakitic and Busquets do, but that's what I would do if I'm Valverde. I would put Vidal or a body on him pretty much most of the match and not get let him take the space to you know, pepper your back line and work through the midfield because for me, that's going to be the important part of the field, I think. We have a, we'll say an elderly back line of Lyon and one that's not fully in, in shape right now against the likes of Dembele and Messi. And that's another one of those things going into this match, though, Kevin, that Barcelona's attack at the moment isn't at its best. Luis Suarez, we'll get to in the listener questions, Luis Suarez is not firing, particularly in the Champions League. That's historically known at the moment. But Dembele back, Messi, who clearly has seemingly either he's injured long term or he's conserving some kind of energy for the Champions League. And Dembele even came out in an interview and said, Champions League time, let's do this, guys. And that was this was coming out yesterday. So I, I think they're all aware for this. And as bad as they've been in recent weeks, I would expect a monumental or a much different performance from the attack going in the Champions League now. Um, same. Well, the other thing is that because Lyon likes to uh, play an open match uh, with space between the lines and really their uh, back line pressed up, basically a, a semi-analog of Barcelona, you should see a much more fun, much more open match. What people forget is that uh, much of the reason that Barcelona hasn't been sparkling is because teams have been setting up with nine in the box. And it's really hard Mm -hmm. to uh, play against that. And I I think that when we sit and we uh, grumble about uh, where's the uh, uh, champagne football, uh, why isn't it 
pretty, it's because it's really hard to uh, play against a team that stacks up nine in the uh, box. I mean, Valladolid came out with five defenders yesterday. It's absurd. I mean, I think that uh, Lyon will play like a, a team that thinks they have a shot in this tie, and frankly, they do. And uh, that will make uh, for a much more entertaining match, although I fear it will be much more entertaining uh, for neutrals than for a Coulets who will be um, uh, cringy every time Lyon get the ball. Yeah, and we've already seen that in the group stage that Lyon is not afraid of the moment or the team. They went at Pep Guardiola's Man City, and they not only got the result, but they beat them as well. And while Fakir was the big player in those matches, he will be back for the second leg. And so in Barcelona, Lyon's goal, all they have to do is get an away goal. Right, they're starting in Lyon, which is huge for them. Um, I think that uh, this is a team that has yet to not show up in a big match. Um, the last uh, big match they had, they wrecked um, uh, Sevilla 6-1, right? I mean, I think that veteran uh, uh, players have a feel for a moment. And this is, oh, frankly, of all the uh, Champions League possible teams, uh, this is the one that I least uh, wanted to see right now because the month, I mean, this month has always been an awful month uh, for Barcelona. Uh, the fitness program they're on, player form, injuries. I mean, February has always uh, been terrible for Barcelona. And the one thing you don't want an old, tired team to see is a young, hungry team with lots of pace. Um, I think my view is that you'll see a scoring draw in uh, there in Lyon, uh, maybe one-to-one or a two-to-two, and then Barcelona will uh, eke out the tie at home. And one of the big players that, as we wrap up Legrand Pagunta here, that we want to talk about is a left-back Ferland Mendy. It's someone that you have you know, been outspoken out in your praise of him, and for very, very good reason, where in world football, left-back is a very, very short list in terms of the top, top class guys, and so that's why you know this season, particularly even with Marcelo struggling, Jordi Alba is a candidate to potentially be the best left back in the world so far this year. But he is nearing his, not to say the downside of his career, but 30 has is going to hit him like a stack of bricks with the speed he has. And so Ferlin Mendy, as you know, Juan Miranda still looks a, a few years away. Not it's, it's not to say that he's done. It's not to say that his that you would give up on him, but he, again, especially for goalkeepers, backline guys, they don't really find their, their, their full potential a lot of the time until they're in their 22, 23, 24-year season where, yes, they have speed, but Miranda's game isn't built on speed. It's built on understanding and tactical awareness and being able to play a good ball. So his technical skills have to be continued to be refined. He has to understand what it's like to play in bigger matches. He clearly has felt some of the pressure um, when he's been with the first team. So for me, it's not that you're giving up on Miranda, but I, I think, as we've kind of said, with the age of Alba and the potential that he might age poorly just due to his skill set, there should be a transitionary guy in there. And you, Kevin, have earmarked Mendy as that guy. And I, I, w- I, I want to know, a, a, I guess for the listeners who don't watch Leon, basically your, your main explanation for that. What, what makes this guy not only already one of the best left backs, but potentially a, a top, top world-class left back. Oh, well, he's, he's Jordi Alba, but uh, seven years uh, younger, faster, and stronger. That's the 
short of it. Um, he is a, a remarkable uh, player who will move this summer. Um, not sure where. Uh, people have been making rumors about him really for almost a year. Um, he is a player who by himself could turn this tie. His pace is absurd. Um, he has the same ability as Jordi Alba to find the high or the low uh, cross. Uh, Lyon have three or four guys who are really strong headers of the uh, ball, so look uh, for the high as well as low cross. Um, he splits lines. He dribbles. My uh, view is that uh, Mondi is the modern fullback, right, in the sense that uh, not only are they a winger, but they're they're a, a defender. They can stop a guy in the open field. They can run down a break. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also function as a winger and dribble uh, break lines, split lines, and throwing crosses. Right now, there is no player in uh, world football who, as a left back, um, has the ability to offer uh, Barcelona a continuity. I don't think, I mean, if you're thinking about Alba right now, I mean, man, look at how hard 30 hit uh, Marcelo. He is, right. uh, he's right. Sure. He's gone from uh, last year having a fairly good year, and this year he's just a, a turnstile. I mean, I don't think 30 will hit, hit Alba that hard. When you watch him playing uh, versus Valladolid, um, he was chasing and he wasn't catching, and that's, different this year than it was uh, last year. And I expect that uh, trend to continue next year. I think if the a team doesn't start thinking about a left back now, and while I think Miranda has talent, I think you need physical skill to play left uh, back now because of how the uh, game has evolved to the wings. All right now, yes, he has a nice uh, technical set. Uh, Reeves matches yet. Uh, there is uh, no pace. Uh, there's uh, no no physicality. And I think that those are two things. Look, if you have like a Raheem Sterling running at Miranda, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. It's not going to be pretty. Um, so I think that while I love the whole let's uh, get the uh, shot for the uh, must-see-a guy, I think that I don't think Miranda will ever have what it takes to be a viable backup for a top top uh, class uh, left back. So I mean, for me, if the uh, club isn't thinking about signing Mondi, who who Alas has said uh, they could move for about $40 million, they're crazy. Yeah, I, again, I'm not completely out on, on a teenager just yet, but I certainly am for the next few years until, I, again, I think that timeline is that Alba is out of it before Miranda is ready. And so that puts Barcelona certainly in this predicament, I think. And, you know, so we obviously have given away who we think is going to be the starting left back for Barcelona in this tie. But, Kevin, I, I, you put it on Twitter, but let's wrap up La Gran Pagunta with your starting 11, for Barcelona at least. Ah, so, um, mind you, it uh, will not happen. But um, I think that um, my uh, uh, guys would be obviously uh, Trish Dagan. And then uh, Semedo, and then Pique, and then Umtiti, uh, then Alba, Busquets, Rakitic, uh, Carlos Lenya, 
Malcolm, uh, Messi, uh, uh, then Dembele. Uh, that's mostly because uh, you get the fastest guys out there. Um, Malcolm tracks back really well on uh, defense, and Dembele is getting better at it. Um, and I think that uh, that Lyon uh, will have the ball, and when they have the ball, they will look uh, really to use that uh, team speed and break really hard at that, frankly, old Barcelona back line. And you said Umtiti. I, I just want to throw this out there that, again, this would be a few months of layoff, and you would trust him against his former side after sitting for so long? Yes, uh, mostly because I think that what that uh, back line is going to need is is someone who reads a match better uh, than Longley does. Hmm. I think that uh, Longley is still too reactive a defender, and if uh, you're reactive against a quick player who works off both feet, uh, La Trare, that's going to make uh, for a long a long day for not only PK but uh, Ter Stegen. I think that I mean, if it was me, I would take the risk uh, with Umtiti and hope that he can rise to the occasion because uh, he's a center back who is much more capable. Right now, he uh, really defends by taking the match to the attacker rather than uh, waiting to see what move the attacker will make. If you do that with Lyon, that could be too late. And on the other side for Lyon, with Fakir out, I, I think Toussaint winds up starting anyway, and yeah. RR. And so for Bruno Genesio, the difficult thing is going to be if Ndombele is not ready to go for this match, who is that third midfielder he puts in here? And their rotation might even force them. They have a players who are much, much younger and pretty unproven for this kind of situation, if you will, to start this. Pape Chic, uh, the Spanish 21-year-old, could be the guy. But again, they're already now He'd be going... a surprise. Right, exactly. And But he's even next on their list. So I would think that they would even have to drop one of their attackers back. They have Martin Terrier, Traore, as we talked about, Cornet, Depay, and Dembele. And that being Musa Dembele. So I right. think you'd wind up going with not only a different formation, but one of them is probably going to be playing attacking midfield. So then you'd have Ayor and Tussar behind whoever winds up being the attacking midfielder. Now Tapai can do it. Dembele might be in that position. And then again, you have uh, Terrier and Traore. So I would expect those are going to be the main players. As, we, as you mentioned, I don't think they're going to dip too far into their midfield depth. Again, they have a bunch of teenagers as well. They're a team that can't afford, obviously, to have a, a ton of top-level guys in their mid-20s playing in Ligue and with the, the money that they have. But we're going to continue breaking this down in La Ronda. So that does do it for La Gran Pagunta. So now let's switch over and switch gears into our listener questions here. First up from Minor, which players that Valverde rotated into the starting lineup against Valladolid were a mistake and which ones stood out? And again, we don't usually do specific matches stuff, but I'm going to guess that you're going to say Carlos Alenia? Yeah, I mean, I thought that most of the entire team was poor and clunky, but, I mean, PK and Alenia really stood out. I mean, I think, well, as you know, I'm I'm pretty high on his game. He's been the first Lama Sia guy since Thiago Altancara to be a legitimate, sure thing. I mean, there's been lots of talk about, you know, coaches not promoting this and not, not advancing that, but really... Where has the talent been? Uh, this is a guy you look at and say, 
yes, he has that something, right? That when the ball is at his feet, you know he's going to do the right thing. That's huge. He was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that uh, Boateng is still finding his way. Um, uh, he had moments, um, but he also had a lot of moments where you're like, yeah, this is why you're a guy knocking around leagues on loan. Um, he is a player who I don't see getting a lot of time, which will frankly not uh, work in his favor because he needs reps, right, to build the kind of uh, fluidity and uh, strength and match fitness uh, that will help him become the uh, kind of uh, player that he he truly is. I mean, he is a very talented player, mm-hmm. um, but uh, when you get a match every six or seven, it's hard to show what you can do. So, I mean, he's looked better. I mean, he's played all over as well. I mean, and so when I, you obviously looking at who and where he'd been before he ever came to Barcelona, it's great that he played for tons and tons of legendary sides. But in the same regard, it is a wonder that no club has ever really, really been sold on him. So he's been talented enough to play at all these top level teams. And yet he hasn't carved out a feature at any of those there and yeah, obviously this is not a place that KPB will, you know, carve out a feature for himself either. But as Rick asks, Suarez not scoring an away goal in the Champions League since a one-one draw against Roma in the 2015-16 season. I didn't even realize that is a long, long time. And so Rick asks, should Suarez be dropped for the uh, the aforementioned Prince Boateng or Malcolm against Lyon? And is the only way for him to regain his form being on the field and. I mean, I don't want to answer it for you, Kevin, but the answer is going to be Suarez is going to start this game, regardless of anything else. I mean, Malcolm hasn't started since the champ since the El Clasico, and Prince Boateng cannot certain certainly cannot be trusted in this kind of instance. Nor would you select him over Suarez. He was picked to be a backup, and so Suarez is going to get the start here, regardless. But certainly that away goal, um, that away goal stat is quite worrying. Oh, it's horrifying, and the problem is. Part of that, right, is because uh, when you play away in Champions League, the uh, defense is always tight. Uh, it's always packed back because nobody wants to uh, give up that away goal. That all works against Suarez, who needs space to operate. He needs space to shoot. He needs space to work without uh, having a defender right in his grill. Um, he gets none of that during away matches. Uh, the other uh, problem for him right now is he is in a truly, truly grim run of form. He should have had three or four goals against uh, Valladolid and missed each and every shot in a a progressively distressing fashion. <laughs> um, I don't know what the answer is because you have to let a player like him play his way out um, but I think that were I Val Verde, I would drop him this match uh, for Malcolm. I think that Malcolm has the exact skill set needed to uh, put that Leon back line under pressure. Suarez just kind of stomping around and 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 uh, glowering at people. That's uh, that won't stress their back line. It certainly won't stress their keeper, who is the a kind of uh, reflex guy who gives Barcelona fits. Yeah, and as much as all eyes will be on Suarez, one of the other arguments that has been made for this tie is that 
Messi, who has not been at his best recently and particularly inspired the lead, friend of the show, Alex Trujillo, was, we'll say, heavily criticized for even considering that uh, that Messi didn't have his, his best match against Vio to lead. But I think Messi, in these important matches, he's the focus. He's the guy that you have to look at. He's the guy that is going to win this tie or, or potentially not show up for the tie in the way that he did last year in Italy. And, you know, I think he's the one guy that you want to put the, all the pressure on. And obviously, it'll, I think, come down to him more than anybody else. When he's playing, when Messi's obviously playing well and up to it, then that he brings the best out of Suarez. It's not just uh, without Messi when we see that Suarez has to kind of find that extra thing within himself. And Gunnar asks, to this point, does Valverde rely too much on the 4-3-3? Should he be trying something else? And that something else would be to, be to, to get the best out of this squad that's going to be facing down a 4-3-3 most likely um, from Bruno Genesio as well. So my view on formations is is that uh, that's how they line up. Uh, then when you kick the ball, it's marbles in a bowl. Mm-hmm. I I think that the uh, for me the biggest thing that uh, Valverde will need to try uh, so far he's had success with with uh, creating the kind of open play and the kind of semi chaotic um, atmosphere fear in which Messi can move around and find himself in open space. That's not uh, been the case with a, we guess, injured Messi. Um, he's not moving as well. He's not moving as quickly. Yeah, I he's think not so. I think reading so. matches as well. And so I think that I mean, as more than formation, I think that uh, Val uh, Verde has to look at getting as much pace on the wings as he can which opens up things in the center as it makes uh, defenders move to a guy like uh, Dembele or a guy like Malcolm a guy like Suarez is not that uh, big of a threat uh, without the ball nor is he a threat uh, when he gets the ball because he's not going to do anything except either lose it uh, turn and shoot you know, or look uh, for a dump off to Messi yeah for sure all right, let's do three. We usually do, again, quick fire, listen to questions, but we're going to do three yes or no's, okay? So as much as I, I do apologize to uh, to James, Douglas, and Sujith, but due to time, we're just going to do yes or no answers here. James, what do you think of Icardi from Inter? Would you want him at the club, yes or no? No. I agree with you no. on that one. Nope. Yep. I don't think we need to go much too much more into that. I, I think there's a number of reasons why the answer is no there. Uh, just due to relationships and Twitter. Yep. Just go on Twitter. You'll fi- you'll figure it out. Douglas looking at Twitter. Is there anything remotely positive about the club right now? Yes. Yeah. I'd say yes too. for certain. I think that started that we uh, starts and ends with, you still have Lionel Messi in the side. And uh, he said that you're going to try to go for all the trophies. And I think that's where they're at. Sujith asks thoughts on Rabio rumors. Are you still out on Rabio? Hell no, no, never. Not for Barcelona. Sure thing. All right. So there we go. We have no, yes, no, uh, a little bit of positivity sandwiched in the middle there. And Charlie asks, even with the contract extension, do you think failure in the Champions League will have an effect on Valverde's future at Barcelona? No, he's in. Yep, I would agree with that. You on the same regard. I think the way the club has always operated, unless you know who the guy lined up to be the replacement is, or unless you have a, a pretty good notion where even when Enrique left, Valverde seemingly rose to the top very quickly as a replacement. And due to the fact that you 
really aren't sure that there's any manager in the proper position to take over, that should indicate to you that Valverde is a little safer than you think he is. Uh, and then oh, the final one. Yep. And then the final one here from Sofia. This one isn't a yes or no. It's a little bit longer. So this is what we'll wrap it up with. Just watch, take the ball, pass the ball, which, you know, I recommend to, and I guess you would too, Kevin, recommend to pretty much all of our listeners. It's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you think we've strayed from the Cruyff philosophy or don't have the right players or coach? And I feel like, Kevin, last time you were on the show 12 weeks ago, we kind of got into this as well, that it wasn't necessarily, if I remember right, you had said that Valverde has to play a formation and a style based on the players he has. So it's not necessarily getting away from Cruyff, but just it's a byproduct of the, the tools you have to work with. Right. It's 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 uh, not the right players. Um, right now you have this really mismatched collection of bodies. I think that next season, with uh, Dion coming in, with Puig uh, promoting, uh, with Alan Ya finding his legs, you will see, um, I hope anyway, that you'll see a team that is much better physically set up, right, to you know play the kind of football that we think uh, Barcelona should be playing. Now, whether uh, Barcelona should be playing that way is a whole other question. I don't believe that it should right now. Yeah, it's funny how you you almost change the intonation of the word should. Should they play this way to kind of beat Lyon in a one-off or beat or win a match? Should they? And then there's the greater philosophical should they, <laughs> as in is if it's possible, is that the thing that they have almost a an obligation to, this almost divine obligation to play a certain way uh, based on the foundation of the club uh, and by foundation, I don't mean the Gampere. I, I mean the foundation of the right. current ideals of the club. Uh, yeah, and it is, a, it is a, fu- uh, a funny different philosophy that we make sure. And Kevin, again, you are a major presence on Twitter. And so this is where we wrap up. But okay. it, being a, a major figure on Twitter, as we always talk about, it's difficult to get into a, a philosophical argument where the word should can mean two different things. In a hundred and not not 160 characters anymore, or 140 characters anymore. But uh, in short form, in short form, and those little tiny conversations on Twitter, it's difficult to really flesh out these arguments. Yes, I mean, and I, it, I think that right now the team is trapped. It's uh, trapped uh, by an ideal. It's trapped uh, by a fan base who believes in that ideal. It's you know, trapped by notions of the past that hang around next like an albatross. And uh, frankly, I have no idea um, how they get over that, but I believe that modern football calls for a different approach to the game. Look, if the if that way were so viable and so ideal, uh, wouldn't Guardiola be playing it at City? He's not, there's a reason. Yeah, I agree with you 100% that football has changed and that kind of they get into that and take the ball past the ball in that the way that Barcelona played under Cruyff, things changed a bit. You saw AC Milan dominate right afterwards playing a different way. And then for Guardiola, his team played a certain way with the players that they had. And obviously world football adapted to that. And everybody at that 2010 World Cup was trying to play this way. Everyone wants to now pass out of the back and the role of goalkeepers is changing. And so world football reacted to the way that Barcelona were playing. And now Barcelona have to then now react to the way that world football has reacted to them. And it is a reactionary copycat sport in terms of tactics. And you learn and learn and learn. And 
you know, uh, what we're seeing in certain places, whether it's in the second division in, in Germany, the, the team itself is, is starts with an H, is, is, uh, is forget, uh, slipping my mind at the moment. But then obviously in Tiago Mata, what he's doing for the PSG U19s as well, with it's, it's just utter chaos with the number of attackers he has and the role of a goalkeeper. But if those kind of things work and those tactics wind up having success, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. It's what we love. It's that it's still going to be 11 players, but where you put them on the field is ever-changing and ever-adapting. And if you're the people that figure out what's coming next before it happens, you're going to be the one successful. And Kevin, speaking about what's coming next, we asked not only where people can find you regularly, but you know, again, on Twitter, you're plenty there, but I wouldn't necessarily push people in that direction because you have a lot of long-form ideas and places where you put things to flush out those ideas. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you can... Um... See me at BarcelonaFootballBlog.com. Um, that is a place where myself and then uh, Levon, who's also on Twitter, and then Isaiah, who's the real father of that space, uh, we do flesh out many ideas that um, we might be thinking about that might be questions. And then um, I'm lucky enough uh, right now to also be writing um, for the athletes. I think that's an amazing, amazing resource because it's not only me, but it's people a lot smarter than me uh, writing about football in uh, very smart and innovative ways. Um, they cover every league. Uh, they cover tactics. They cover uh, transfers, strategy. It's really a fun place. And it's not that expensive for people thinking about, um, well, it's a subscription. How much is it? It's not very much. And for the uh, quality of work that uh, you get, it's really cheap. Yep, I agree. There was a piece written uh, by a Sophie a few, I believe, months ago at this time about Lyon, and they had a Twitter war behind the scenes. And it's something you don't think about in conflicts within the board. And obviously, as an outsider, we know about our own club and our own board, but we don't think about the turmoil going on behind the scenes at all these other different clubs. And there's so many, so many stories in world football that I think reading The Athletic myself and reading your work, excellent work, that they're just hitting the tip of the iceberg there, and I'm excited to see what comes forward. And for those who want to continue on, not only seeing what Kevin has, you can check all that out in the show notes, and you can also check out us in the show notes to subscribe to the show. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me, and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Closed Facebook group, tbpod.link backslash group for deeper dives and discussions. And you can help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows and get those quick take match reviews at tbpod.link backslash Patreon. We're also on YouTube now at the Barcelona Podcast. You can check us out and hit that subscription button. It helps out in all those different ways. And again, the best thing you can do is keep listening to the show. And thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And for the Barcelona.